Pastor Xavier Reese and the hope still to come. No man knows the day or the hour. He said, well, I still got 10 years. Listen, I said to Christ in 73. I never thought I would see 1980. I did. I never thought I would see 1990. I have. I never thought I would see the year 2000. I did. You see? But I won't be disappointed because I'm looking for Jesus. I'm keeping my accounts short. I'm occupying till he comes. And I'm looking for Jesus Christ, not Antichrist. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. No matter how many times you've been let down, there is one simple truth we can all bank on. God cannot lie. Today, from his continued look at the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians, Pastor Xavier explores the hope found in God's promise to send his only begotten son, not just once, but two times. Here he is with today's message titled, Rapture or Regret. The study of eschatology has to do with the study of end things, those events that will transpire at the close of the church age till the setting up of the thousand-year reign, the millennial kingdom. The second coming of Christ is one of the greatest doctrines of the church. Jesus spoke about it repeatedly and constantly. Entire chapters, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. The second coming is both a promise and a warning. A promise to all who would have a tendency to become weary and well-doing, waiting for His coming. And a warning for those who would mock it or make light of it. It is the greatest incentive for holy living. 1 John 3, 3 says... And everyone who has this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure. If you believe that Jesus can come back any second, you're going to be living right. If you're not, you really don't believe he's coming. Real simple. It is the source of perseverance through difficult times. Listen to Paul. That you keep this commandment without spot blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. It is the heartbeat of spiritual passion that awaits to see Jesus face to face. Listen to Paul again. Finally, there is laid out for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all, loving his appearance. 2 Timothy 4.8 The evidence of the second coming in the scriptures is overwhelming. One-fifth of scripture is prophecy. And one-third of that one-fifth concerns the second coming of Jesus Christ. There are 1,845 references to the second coming of Jesus in the Old Testament. A total of 17 Old Testament books give it prominence. For every prophecy of the first coming of Christ, there are eight for the second coming. Eight to one. And you know he came the first time, right? Then it means he's coming back the second time. But Jesus also spoke about an event that would remove the church from the earth prior to his wrath being poured out upon the earth. It is called the rapture of the church. The catching away of the saints to meet the Lord in the air. And Paul the Apostle speaks about this here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 through 17. He says, For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. The closing words, comfort one another with these words. Great comfort. Now, I'm only going to use this text as a reference point for the fact that the rapture was clearly taught to the Thessalonians. And what I want to do is give you a wider picture of the end time events unto the second coming while focusing all the while on the rapture of the church. So you get a good scenario of it. Okay? Otherwise, if we just look at the rapture, you're going to be looking like uh, through the fence, a knothole, trying to make out what the house looks back there. I want you to look over the fence and look at the whole thing. Okay? Then when you look through the knothole, you'll understand where the part fits. And that's very important. Okay? I want to give you three aspects. First of all, we're going to look at the various dispensations which are revealed in Scripture, okay? Then we're going to look at the four different views of the rapture. And then I'm going to provide evidence for a premillennial, pre-trib rapture, which simply means that we're going to go up before the seven-year tribulation, and that certainly will be before the literal millennial kingdom. That's all it means, okay? And I'll make that clear as we go through there. Let's begin here with the various dispensations, which are very evident in Scripture, okay? You want to get a good overall view of what the Bible teaches. First of all, you have the Old Testament economy. We're all familiar with it. This went from the period of Genesis to the book of Malachi. Adam and Eve lived in a probationary period of the fall. And they lived in hope of the redemption of God. Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. That promise was given. They were looking future for redemption. God made a covenant with the patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to make a nation of them. That is very, very clear. The covenant was a covenant of an earthly kingdom. This you must understand and keep in mind. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 and 7, God promised Abraham, I will make you a great nation. It was an earthly kingdom. So Israel has an earthly kingdom. Okay? And we'll see that as a very sharp contrast to the church. The time... From Adam to Abraham was 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus was two more thousand years. Everybody in the Old Testament, the economy, were called Israel. Only the Jews. Now, anybody who came in were proselytes. Rahab, Ruth, some examples, okay? But all were Jews. There were the few that proselyted in what we call, you know, centrifugal means it throws you out, right? Centripetal means you come in. So the Old Testament is centripetal. People came in to proselyte. The New Testament we'll see is centrifugal. We go out to the nations and preach the gospel. Okay? Now, you have the Old Testament. Secondly, you have what's called the intertestamental period. These are the 400 years of silence between Malachi and the book of Matthew. God was not speaking during this time because of the final message of judgment in Malachi. The period of silence was broken by John the Baptist, as you know. John's message picks up where Malachi left off. This is Malachi's message, if you remember the book of Malachi. Repent in view of your sinful lifestyle. Repent in view of the Messiah's coming. What was John the Baptist's message? Repent in view of your sinful lifestyle. Repent of the Messiah's arrival. He picks it up where Malachi leaves off. So you have the Old Testament, you have the 400 years of silence, which is the intertestamental period. Then thirdly, you have what we live in, 
the New Testament economy, okay? The entire period is from the birth of Jesus Christ till the rapture of the church. The covenant is a heavenly kingdom in contrast to the earthly kingdom of Israel. The period is called the age of grace. The combination of Jew and Gentile who would make up the body of Jesus Christ. There's no law anymore. We're not under the law. Old Testament, intertestamental period, the age of grace. Fourth, you have what's called the time of tribulation and great tribulation. The time is from the rapture of the church to the second coming of Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom upon the earth. The period is divided into two halves by three increments so that there can be no mistake about the literalness of the time. It is given in increments of 1,260 days, which is three and a half years, in Revelations 11.3. It's given of increments of 42 months, which is three and a half years, Revelations 11.2. And it's given with the increments of three and a half years by the phrase, time, times, and half a time, in Revelation 12.14. So that that seven year is divided into two. There can be no mistake about it, okay? By those three increments, and there's other factors that we can always also put in, and we'll mention later on. Now, the period is also divided by two phrases. The two halves are divided by two phrases. Tribulation, the first three and a half years. Great tribulation, the last three and a half years. So you have the law, 400 years of silence, the age of grace, seven years tribulation, cut in half. Tribulation, Great Tribulation. Okay? We're running a chronological linear time. The period is called the day of God's wrath, these seven years. You get it from Revelation chapter 6 to 19, the specifics. The seven seals will be opened, Revelation 5 through 8. The seven trumpets will be sounded, chapter 8 to 10. And the seven bowls will be poured out of wrath, Revelation 16. The Lord will return with His church and wage war against those who are gathered in the valley of Megiddo for the battle of Armageddon, and then he will judge the nations. We, the church, will return on horses with Jesus and will destroy all who are there. Literally, Christ will. We'll just come back with him with the, mouth, the sharp edges so that goes from his mouth in Revelations 19, 11 through 16. That's the only time you will find your pastor on a horse when we come back to set up the kingdom. All right. After that, Jesus will judge the nations. Matthew 25, 31 through 46 says. So the old economy, 400 years of silence, age of grace, seven years, first three, tribulation. Last three, great tribulation. Wrath of God. At the end, he sets up his kingdom, the judgment of the nations. After that, you have the millennial period, the thousand year reign of Christ. Revelation 20, verse 2, 3, 5, 7. Alright? There are those who say that we are in the millennial now. God forbid. It's hard to substantiate it. Listen, there will not be a program called cops in the millennial kingdom. <laughs> Jesus will rule with a rod of iron, okay? He'll pop their heads like a pot. Boom! The Bible says... There are others who say that it's symbolic, that there's no literal thousand years. Yet, 
The repetition of a thousand years makes it literal and you cannot escape it. Satan will be bound during that thousand years. Revelation 20 verse 2 through 3 and 7 says. He will be bound in the bottomless pit, his prison. The devil is placed there so he can no longer deceive the nations any longer during those thousand years. Okay? Meanwhile, we're reigning with Christ. Israel has gone in to occupy the land. The rule of Jesus, as I say, will be characterized by the rod of iron. Revelations 2.27, says that. We, the church, will rule with Jesus for a thousand years. It is our honeymoon. Our honeymoon here for a thousand years. A kingdom of priests, Revelation 1, 6 and 7 says. We will reign over all those who did not take the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, 8 through 10. During those seven years, the Antichrist will reign. We'll get a little more specific on it. He will all demand that all take his mark. You cannot buy or sell. Those who refuse it are killed. There will be a great revival during that tribulation period. Jew and Gentile. Those who receive the mark are damned. They cannot be saved. Okay? Those who do not take the mark, and some will survive, they will enter the kingdom age. We will rule over them. Israel will occupy the land completely. So the Old Testament fulfillment of the earthly kingdom is fulfilled. God can't lie. They never occupied all the land. So the thousand year reign, one of the purposes is, is to give Israel the full covenant fulfilled of the land. The nation of Israel will occupy the kingdom promised to them according to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and all the prophets. Now after that thousand year reign, there will be what is called the white throne judgment. Okay? At the end of the thousand years. This is the judgment that you don't want to be there. This is for the non-believer. Revelations 20 verse 11 through 15. All who have ever rejected Jesus Christ. In the old economy. 400 years silence. The age of grace. Tribulation. Great tribulation. The millennial kingdom. All those events. Who have rejected Christ. Will stand before this judgment. The white throne judgment. They will be judged according to the books. Their works. And they will be cast into the lake of fire. Gehenna, which was made for Satan and his angels. Matthew 25, 41 says it was made for no one else. And in spite of that, countless of people will be there because they rejected Jesus Christ. Now, after the white throne judgment, there is the new heaven, the new earth. Revelations 21 and 22 tells us that. Now, it doesn't give us a lot of detail. There will be a new eternal order. The new city, Jerusalem, will be there. There will be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow. This is just a few and not many more things that we know about the eternal state. Now, don't think that you're going to be in eternity up on a cloud strumming a harp. Okay? That's not what the Bible teaches. Okay? These are the various dispensations which are revealed through the scriptures. These are like fence posts. Okay? You may not always see what the fence is between the posts. But these are fence posts that you can mark through the scriptures. So you can see the different divisions. Of God's dealing with man. Now, having this perspective of a wide perspective of scenario of the scriptures and time, I want to give you the four different views or teachings on the rapture. Not to confuse you, but to show you why we believe that God will remove us before the seven years. 
First of all, there's a teaching that's called mid-tribulation, which teaches that the church will be removed in the middle of the seven years at the three-and-a-half-year mark. The first problem with this teaching is that the 70th week of Daniel, we don't have time to get into it, but you remember when we went through it. It's interpreted literally by them, and then the first three-and-a-half years are spiritualized in order to fit the church in the tribulation. Listen, if you're going to ever interpret prophecy, you must be consistent in your interpretation. If you interpret part of it literal, you have to interpret the other part literal. Okay? The first 69 weeks of Daniel are literal. The last week has to be literal. You cannot change your interpretation in the middle. Okay? The second problem is that three and a half years is the mark given... For the removal of the church. Which is obviously a red light indicating that it's wrong. Because Jesus then said, no man knows the day or the hour. Matthew 24, 15, he gives us a mark. But over and over he says, no man knows the day or the hour. So whenever someone tells you, on this day the rapture is going to happen. Mark him off and walk away from him. No man knows. The problem of such an interpretation here in Mitrib is that of confusing the three and a half year mark to identify the Antichrist, the abomination desolation, and having it identify the removal of the church, the bride. It's inconsistent. The three and a half year mark is always to identify the Antichrist when he enters the temple and declares himself to be God. It has nothing to do with the church. The increments I gave to you, 1,260 days in Revelation 3, 2, for the two witnesses. And then also 42 months for the trodden underfoot for the city of Jerusalem by the Antichrist to speak blasphemous, Revelation 11.2 and 13.5. And then the last time, times, half a time increment for the protection of Israel in the wilderness by God in Revelation 12.14. Because the Antichrist in the middle will attack Israel to kill her. And she will flee to the wilderness and God will keep her in the wilderness. We believe the city of Petra. Whether it's that or not doesn't make any difference. God will keep her. Now, that's mid-trip. There are some problems there. Okay? Second is what is called post-tribulation. There are still people who believe that the church will go through the entire seven years. This is what post-tribulation teaches. That we will go through the entire seven years. And then Jesus will remove us at the end of the seven years. Now, the book of Revelation is interpreted as historical and fulfilled. Which is spiritualizing the book. The literalness of the events in order to harmonize their interpretation. They're very clear that the book of Revelation is not completely fulfilled. You can't just say it's all fulfilled. That's not being true to it. The fact, once again, is that there is a set time of the removal of the church, which makes it wrong in itself. Okay? Real simple. That is enough to disqualify it. No man knows of the other hour. But the obvious problem is that the removal of the church at the end of the seven years would remove all the believers. If we stay to the end and God removes the church at the end, then all people who love God and who are born again are gone, right? Who's going to occupy the kingdom? The horny toads and lizards? Who are we going to rule over? Nobody? Now we know Israel will enter in, but there's going to be the greatest revival that's ever happened regarding accepting Christ during the tribulation, the great tribulation. 
144,000 Jews are going to preach. Enoch and maybe Elijah for sure. It could be Enoch. It could be Moses. Two witnesses. They're going to be incredible revival. Also, the removal would also not allow time for the judgment of the believers. Where you put the judgment seat of Christ. If we go up at the end, where, where's the believer judged? There's no room for the judgment. There's no room for the presentation of the bride of Christ. There's no room for the marriage of the Lamb. Where do you put them? The removal would also make no sense if we're going to just be taken up to come right down. So there's problems with post-tribulation. Now, there is a third. It's called pre-wrath rapture by Marvin Rosenthal. And he says that the church will be raptured or removed three quarters through the tribulation. I don't know anybody who teaches it. The starting point for this is misunderstood by the phrase the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is misunderstood in terms of its timing. The appearance of the Antichrist is the deception people are given over to by God for rejecting the gospel during the age of grace. And so there are many during the tribulation period that will be given over to the lie of the enemy. Revelation 6.1, we see the Antichrist coming in on a white horse and a bow with no arrow. He conquers through diplomacy. He deceives the nation. The first three and a half years. Israel makes a covenant with the Antichrist. If you study Daniel 9.27, they make the covenant with him. Israel accepts the Antichrist as their Messiah. Jesus said, I came in my own name or my father's name. You did not receive me. There will come one in his own name. Him you will receive. Amazing. The last three and a half, he will be against Christ. So anti has a twofold purpose. Antichrist, the first three and a half year, instead of Messiah. The last three and a half, against Messiah. He will be a terror from hell. There you have the three. Let me give you the fourth and last. The fourth and last is what's called pre-tribulation. This is what we believe as Calvary Chapel. That God will remove us seven years prior to his return. Which would preclude that we will not be here for the time of God's wrath or the deception by the Antichrist. Now, the teaching is consistent with the 70th week of Daniel. When God begins his prophetic clock once again with the nation of Israel. He's fulfilled the 69. His clock has stopped. It will begin to tick again when they make the covenant with the Antichrist. The teaching treats the book of Revelation as literal, historical, and symbolic. Listen, if the Bible does not agree with your theology, then you need to change your theology. Let the Bible dictate in its context what it's saying. Don't come to it with your presupposition of your denomination or your own understanding. Let the Bible speak for itself in its context. Very important. The imminent return of Christ for His church is recognized by the mere fact that He can come back any second. That's what means eminence. No man knows the day or the hour. So that means you're ready. You see? You say, well, I still got 10 years. Listen, I accepted Christ in 73. I never thought I would see 1980. I did. I never thought I would see 1990. I have. I never thought I would see the year 2000. I did. But I won't be disappointed. Because I'm looking for Jesus. I'm keeping my accounts short. I'm occupying till he comes. And I'm looking for Jesus Christ, not Antichrist. Pastor Xavier Reese. 
and living in the present for the hope that's still to come. And you can find this program online to hear any portion you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still more to come of this study next time. But if you won't be able to tune in, you can pick up your own personal copy of this message. The title to ask for is Rapture or Regret. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. So once again, the title to ask for is Rapture or Regret, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What's in store for the future? That's coming up when Pastor Xavier Reese continues his study series in the book of 1 Thessalonians, right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 